0: You're
1: drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect Welcome eyes. to the Lakey Guys. With the word on the hill. Uh, <laughs> no, let's no, check that. Welcome to the word on the hill, hill the hill with the Lakey Guys. I was I'm Scott Powell. I'm Father and we're gonna be looking at the, the, the reading. <laughs> welcome <laughs> the to the, welcome the show, it. dude. I, I,
0: I've had to, I, welcome, I've been having this problem. Yes, what? Um, I, <laughs> I like run words together while I'm saying the mass, and I'm like, <laughs> 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 and like, and like the other day it came to it came to a really bizarre weird moment because they did oh, no. uh prayer of reconciliation too you could just pray reconciliation too which by the way i've never done ever and father yeah. father brady and i were con- celebrating and and like what i had this? no idea what it was saying it was, it was on monday it was monday monday was the muck uh, get the muck out of get the, the, the muck day. out of the moat day we we got like twenty five thousand pounds of like toxic mud dirt out of the uh moat in front of the student center
1: first of all we should tell you we have a moat around our student center
0: dude and somebody was like dude we gotta get an alligator that was father brady actually. what a great
1: idea father brady was like dude we could have an alligator
0: in there. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like insistent on probably you know how, like when people are talking about something and they're like they're like dude this is a great idea but nobody's like receiving it well, can currently? you think
1: of any good reason not to no Touche.
0: I mean, dude, except for children's re, maybe them.
1: Wow, well, it'd be incentive to stay out of the moat. Hey, it really would make Patty's job a lot easier.
0: <laughs> so, you guys, we are uh, heading into Holy Week.
1: We are. It is Palm Sunday, dude. You know well, what Palm. You know who I loves. Love palm Sunday.
0: You know who loves Palm Sunday above all else. This guy, Harlem Globetrotters, because <laughs> they palm, Is that a pun? Yeah, because they palm they basketball. Palm... Basketballs oh, on Sundays usually. <laughs> on Sundays usually. Unreal. dude. Come on, you know that that was one of the worst jokes you've ever <laughs> oh, heard. Oh yeah, yeah, getting, yeah, dude. <laughs> it <was pretty> bad. <laughs> like, I yeah, was trying was to think bad. of like, how, like, you know who else really likes. <laughs> Did
1: you know the end of that joke when you started it? Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but... okay. We got a lot of readings this week, man, and they're long ones. Okay,
0: then let's. we got to just... hop to it. Hop to soccer face. <laughs>
1: Well um, we're the only religious podcast that uses the word sucker face in
0: sucker face dude that'll be on the, the, that's gonna that's be the that's on the ba- that's going be on the back of the t-shirt
1: oh nice that's good sucker face
0: sucker face dude we're the only religious podcast that uses sucker face so we throw down the gauntlet for all of you other religious podcasts boom bring on the sucker face bring it if you would like to
1: absolutely
0: well today we have two gospel readings.
1: Well, we do. One at the beginning and one at the end. It's sort of a chiasm, if you will.
0: Ooh.
1: We're book-ended. Oh, booking. Ended. We're bookies? Ended. Book-ended. So here's the thing that's cool about the <laughs> the two gospel <laughs> readings we have. Okay. So we have, of course, um, a gospel that's read at the procession into the church. So in most church, many churches in Palm Sunday. Nice. Nice catch. Thanks. Um <laughs> You will do a procession from outside of the church into the church, carrying the palm branches to yeah. sort of mimic—not mimic—mimic's not the right word—to to recall to represent to amnes anemnesis. Well, you're not making it present. Zakar? Zakar, remember. Anyway, we're gonna have a procession with palm branches. <laughs> we're gonna we're going to um we're going to play act. Right. Perfect. And at that time, we will read the story of the the, the uh, Palm Sunday account. I mean, now, basically, here's...
0: Palm Sunday has everything. It's like the overture to uh, the, like all of Holy Week. But it is, it's is—it's a
1: big, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's just okay. got everything. I mean, if you wanted to live out Holy Week
1: in one fell swoop, you just come to Palm Do Sunday. Do it on Sunday, but still come to the other ones. Too. Yeah, 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 of course. Don't, that's not your get-out-of-jail-free card. Not the masses jailed. Dude, this so, is just going the wrong way. Okay.
0: Somebody told me once that there was this priest who literally gave a homily and he passed out on April Fool's Day. <laughs> cards that said get out of mass free card no and then he made like a joke at the beginning he was like handing them to people and then he like tried to make a joke and and it was like in a diocese that it was not funny in you know what i mean like like people was like i got my get out of
1: jail free card oh no that's not a good thing
0: yeah actually they, they would have been like i got out of my get out of jail free card is it in england no, I'm just trying to make a bunch of accents because I don't want to single out one particular s- subcategory of people. As if people who who have certain accents are w- wanting to get out of mass.
1: Were you in? Or did you speak an so, accent the first? Okay, let, let's just move on.
0: Okay, we're moving on. Okay.
1: okay if if you are a priest or a pastor don't do that
0: don't do that that is a bad plan i I wholeheartedly disagree with your actions i do not think that they are prophetic but pathetic
1: i'm always honored by the amount of priests who actually listen to this show dude me which is wild that they put up with us
0: it really is i listen to this show do you know that like every once in a while you do yeah like i'll be preparing for sunday mass and i'm like dude what was it that i said again that was awesome (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's, that was I was a
1: joke. No, was I meant, good. Why would you, you do that? No, it's because I you listen for that. you. Oh, I listen for you, dude. Anyway, here's a shout out to all of our priest friends who listen to us. Thanks for listening. Yo oh. to the fr whoop whoop. Father. Yeah, that's what that meant. That's what that means. Okay, sorry. We're having a hard time getting Okay, Matthew
0: rest. 21, 1 through 11 is our first one. But
1: here's, oh yeah, we have to see the readings. Okay, Matthew and then, 21, 21, And then
0: Isaiah 54 through 7 is, is, the, is the other one. Actual first reading. And then Psalm 22 mm-hmm. with a bunch of numbers following it. 8
1: and 9, 17 through 18, 19 through 20, 23 through
0: 24. And then we have for the gospel uh, second readings. It's not the gospel. It's nope. the Philippians uh, about 2, 6 through somewhere around 11 or so. yeah yeah. give or or take i'm sorry i was being Philippine about it
1: oh Oh, oh. come on dude no that was good that was a good set can respect i can respect that that was did you set yourself up the whole time i did well done yeah and you were groaning you're like
0: dude can you believe that you were just doing that
1: no no it was good i respect it hey thanks and then finally
0: we have the longer form matthew 26 verse 14 to 27 66 it's a
1: long one You're going to be on your feet for a long time, everybody.
0: Yep, so put on your walking shoes.
1: (laughs) Put on your standing shoes.
0: Yep, don't stand
1: in standing water. No, no, don't. Why?
0: Is that a thing? No, I mean, I don't know, because then you get like a cold because it's the gospel reading so long, man. You don't want your feet all wrinkled and curled.
1: And your socks will smell. Yeah, dude, you got fungus under your toenails. It'd be gross, dude. All right, these gospels do sort of bring us full circle, though. It is—you already said you said everything I plan to say really well, succinctly in one sentence. <laughs> but we start at Palm Sunday. We're going to end with the crucifixion. So we we begin with everyone totally in love with Jesus. Everybody's flipping out. They love it. They're waving palm branches. We're going to end with him on the cross. Yeah. which is crazy, and we're going to do it in the span of one Mass. But these readings, I mean, this is a profound liturgy this day because it brings everything in.
0: It really does bring everything. Yeah.
1: And then the uh, the other readings that are in between the two Gospels shed light on all of it. So these I, I love this particular series of readings today. But let's talk about the procession into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem.
0: Jerusalem. I don't know the rest of the song. I don't know what song you're singing.
1: I don't know either. All right. So here's here's what's going on. I'm, I'm just, it's weird. Maybe I'm struggling because it's weird to jump straight into the gospel. Yeah, really? It's, it, I'm having a hard time.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, in, in some ways that's like, I think that that's part of the experience of the people who were mm. there, that they're like, they're like jumping right into the middle of this. They're and right in and, and, the, and in some ways they don't have a, an adequate preparation to understand the meaning of what Jesus is already doing. Perhaps. I mean, I'm just speculating. Yeah. I mean, just because I mean, they do. Actually, this is the hard part: is that like they're grasping that the savior is going to come on a donkey, but it turns so quickly. It turns well, so
1: quickly. It does. There's lots of reasons that it does, though. So, so let's let's just jump in. So, uh, chapter twenty-one, verse one: When Jesus and the disciples drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage on the Mount of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. So we are we are right outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus has been spending this whole gospel. Spent the bulk of his time up north, in around the Galilee, right in in uh, the northern where the northern kingdom was. Yep. Um, he's ministering, he's doing all sorts of stuff. People are coming up from Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the scribes are trying to trick him. Now he's finally making his way to the climax of his ministry. He's headed down to Jerusalem, and they're right there. they are right, It's on the horizon. You've been to the Holy Land. Yeah, so yeah. Bethphage is the, the nearest suburb to Jerusalem, right across. But
0: it's almost even closer than that. I mean, it's kind of like uh, here in Boulder. Like if you go up Flagstaff and you're looking out over at the university. Is that the equivalent? It's about half the distance of that.
1: You're kidding! Is that close? It's
0: that close. Wow. So, so it's almost like looking at Chautauqua, but a little bit closer from the from that oh. Flagstaff thing.
1: So you're right there.
0: You're right there. So you're sitting there, and and like there's this confrontation. I mean, it would take it would be less than a five minute walk. Okay. And so, if you were to walk through the valley, and like now, what's co- kind of crazy is that there's um, a cemetery, <laughs> actually, because
1: real? oh yeah. well, because everybody wanted to be married on the on the Mount of Olives. Yes, because that was. Sorry, you and,
0: and 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 on the Temple Mount, yeah. And because uh, if you're on the Mount of Olives, what you're doing is you uh, geographically you see two things. Mm. You see the Temple itself, but you see the King's Gate into yes. right. um, the the in, into the Temple Mount, right. Right. Uh, along with the Sheep Gate, just kind of right next to it. Right. And it's like it's it's wild. That's uh, cool.
1: Yeah. That's cool. So they get there, and Jesus tells them, "Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find it. ass tethered and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them here." This is one of the weirdest lines in the Gospels because this is the moment that Jesus tells his disciples to go into the village and steal someone's vehicle.
0: Right? <laughs> dude, like, dude I've, there's this like sweet 4 by 4 He's like, Go get it. Just tell him the master has needs of it. Yeah,
1: if anybody says anything to you, just say the master needs it. This is, um, have you heard me talk about this? I talk about this in my classes sometimes. And I don't know if we've talked in this show before.
0: You know what? I, I don't know if we've talked about it in the show, but let's talk about it anyway because this dude is carrying water on his head, right? He's a water hill.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
0: That's the wrong. That's later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's uh. That's the Last Supper location, isn't it? Oh, that's the Last Supper. I believe. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, is... I don't remember you talking about this. Then, then, please. Okay. So, so here's what's please, going on. We've tell spent the majority me. of the okay enough. Okay. We've spent the majority of the gospel with the disciples. <laughs> With the disciples just dying for Jesus to act like a king, they understand that he's a king. Peter has declared that he's the Christ. All that stuff, right? Uh-huh. But Jesus never acts like a king, and so they're they're constantly you remember they're arguing with each other. They're like, who's the greatest? Who's gonna get the thrones? Um, you know, Jesus, when you come to your kingdom and he keeps telling them, look, I'm going to go die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be spat at and rejected. And they're like, OK, well, what color is your throne going to be? You know, they, they just don't get it. And they keep expecting, OK, when are you going to finally act like a king? Yeah. We're following you, but we're sleeping on other people's couches and we're itinerant. And this is crazy. So finally they get to Bethphage and Jesus does something that looks royal. So one of the things that a king in the ancient world would have a right to do is to commandeer somebody's animal for royal purposes. Oh. So if the king needed an animal to go into battle or to, you know, to come back home or whatever it was, it, he could literally take an animal off the street and commandeer it for royal purposes because the king really owned everything. Oh, so that's
0: kind of like it's kind of like Jack Bauer in 24.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of uh of um the Who's the guy? He's bald. He's he's, he's Telly Savalas. You know, no, every action movie that we grew up with. What's his Bruce face? Willis. Bruce Willis. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, Bruce every, Willis. Every Bruce Willis movie has some scene where he's all covered in blood and he has to flash his, his badge and steal somebody's Mercedes or Ferrari, right? Totally. Come into your vehicle. So it's that sort of a deal. Yeah. So the disciples. So you you'd almost read this and think, well, geez, the disciples are just they're like, okay, go steal somebody's vehicle. Great, we're on it. You're like, well, that's crazy. Unless you realize that, okay, they're finally thinking. Finally, he's acting like a king. Now we get to live our roles. Finally, we get to be stewards. We get to kind of throw our weight around. Yeah. Because we're with this guy. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, we're doing it. So they yeah. go and get the animals. They bring them back. Um, and and obviously somebody does question them, and they said, well, the master has needed them, so we have to. And and everyone is kind of silenced. They're like, oh, okay. Now here's the problem. There are thousands, easily thousands of people around Palestine in this time claiming to be Messiah. So, uh, if you want to follow a Messiah, if you want somebody to claim, you know, to think is king or the Messiah or the Savior, there's tons of options. So what is it that sets Jesus apart? Because once they get to Jerusalem, and he says this has been happened to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. He gives a Matthew gives a quote from uh, it's Zechariah chapter nine, I believe. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your King comes to you, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So the disciples went into the offered, they brought the colt, colt, the ass, and he sat there. Oh, with hold on! I've I've always thought there was just one, but there's a colt and an ass. There's a colt and an ass, which is just kind of cool. And it's there's always been this big debate what is he and there's lots of symbolism that the fathers were you know, the old and the new covenants being brought together and all all sorts of stuff that, oh. that is being symbolized. Cool. But regardless, there they are. Um and a very so he sat upon them and it says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the tree and strewed them on the road. And the crowds
0: um, oh, this him. is
1: great! The crowds preceding him and those following kept crying out and saying, "Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!" Hosanna in the highest. Now, here's the question:
0: Mass. What? We hear that in mass.
1: We do hear it in mass. That's
0: true. I was gonna see if I got it right. I was just trying. So well, I didn't ask the question. Yet. Okay, ask me a question.
1: So th- I think this is fascinating. Just think about this. I'm Messiah. totally fascinated. There are thousands of people claiming to be Messiah. On that day, so it's the Sunday right before Passover. Yes. Which means it's a major pilgrim feast. So how many people do you think are flooding into Jerusalem that day? There's, there's Grips.
0: Ton, what? Grips. <laughs> there are Grips folks going into <laughs> Jerusalem that day. No, there's tons. I just wanted to bring back the 90s for a That's second. That's good, man. Yeah, yeah. So
1: there's tons of people going into Jerusalem. Jesus has not spent very much time in Jerusalem. And they don't have the internet. They don't have newspapers. So nobody, pro- even if they've heard of Jesus, nobody knows what he looks like. So why is everybody flipping out when this young itinerant preacher starts marching into Jerusalem among the crowds of the thousands of other people, many of whom are probably false messiahs, going into Jerusalem? And if, if you're still confused on that, if you think that, oh, well, they've heard about his miracles and they all know, you know, he did this preaching and stuff. Let's read on. They're all shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the, in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. And they asked, who is this? So they don't have a clue who he is. So picture the scene. Here's Jesus riding in a donkey. Everyone's flipping out. They're waving palm branches. They're like, yay, Hosanna, the son of David. Hey, who is this, by the way? Who, who, who are waving at? Yay, welcome to Jerusalem. But they don't even know who it is. Blessed
0: are the cheesemakers.
1: <laughs> what did he say? Jeez, he said peacemakers. No, he said cheesemakers. I'm, I'm serious. Is that from the life of Brian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I got it. Yeah. So what's going on? Why is everyone flipping out? Well, because some a- guy that nobody's seen before is riding in on a donkey.
0: And they're all freaking out and laying their coats down. Right. Maybe there was other people who did it that day. Did what? <laughs> Got asses. Maybe it was just like ass stealing day. And <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> guy that was like, dude, I'm a Messiah. I'm going to take it up, dude. I'm doing it today. And oh, awesome. and his friend Jimmy's like, yeah, go. Let's go, Jimmy.
1: He's like, ben Jimmy. <laughs> the son of Jimmy. The son of Jimmy. Well here's the here's the other question. How okay. many people do you think, if there's thousands of people flocking to Jerusalem, how many people do you think were on donkeys?
0: Um not very many.
1: How many exactly? One. One. There's only one person because it's a pilgrim feast, and on a pilgrimage you walk on foot. That's the definition of pilgrim, right? Uh-oh. Someone who travels on foot. So if you're going into Jerusalem for the Pilgrim Feast, you don't ride an animal. You walk on foot. So that day, going into the city of Jerusalem, there would have been exactly one person of the thousands, throngs of people riding on a donkey. So he's oh. sitting above everybody else. So this guy is making a statement. What's the statement? It's not simply what Zechariah is saying, that he's, he's being humble and riding on a donkey because it's this beast of burden. Yes, it's a sign of humility. Yes, it's a beast of burden. But who rode donkeys into Jerusalem? Kings alone. Only kings rode donkeys. So Solomon did this. King Jehu did this. King David did this. He's acting like a king. Now think about this. If there's thousands of people around who are claiming to be Messiah, Mm -hmm. and everybody knows that, and they're all waiting, okay, when is somebody going to stand up? When is somebody going to act like it? When is somebody going to take back the kingdom? Yeah. One guy has the guts to actually ride a donkey right under the nose of Herod and march right in front of him. And they're all thinking, holy cow, somebody's actually doing it. They're like, we know everybody's ma- talking a big talk. Everybody's hiding out in the in the hills yeah. talking about how great of a Messiah they're going to be and how they're going to take down everybody. Nobody has the guts to actually ride a donkey like a king, an act of treason, quite frankly, yeah. into the holy city under Herod's nose, under Caesar's nose, under Pilate's nose. And what do you think would happen to a guy like that?
0: Well, um... <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Today. Right. Yeah. So
1: this is why everybody's like, holy cow. I don't know who this guy is, but he is genuinely making a claim and making a run at the Messiah. Maybe he's legit. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Now, he's also doing one other thing. Last thing I'll say about this because we got to keep going. He's acting a lot like another person about a generation, maybe a couple generations before him. Okay. Do you remember a guy named Judas Maccabeus? Yeah, yeah. So the story of the Maccabees. if you remember the story of the Maccabees, the nutshell was that Antiochus Epiphanes fourth. he was this Greek king, this Greek leader. It was under the uh, under the time of the Greek Empire. The Greeks decided they were going to make it illegal to, to practice Judaism, yeah. even in Jerusalem. And so if you had any signs of practicing, if you had a Torah, if you had the, the skullcap, anything, you would be put to death or you were forced to get rid of it. The brothers Maccabee, these group of brothers, said, that's it, we're not going to put up with this. I mean, the Jewish people have been been persecuted like crazy throughout the centuries. But these guys said, no, we're not going to deal with that. We're not going to put up with this. So they stood up to Antiochus Epiphanes, and they created a little army, and they got the troops together, and they actually won some level of independence for Jerusalem, which was unheard of. They actually pushed the Greeks out. And they got autonomy for Jerusalem, which was unbelievable. Nobody, nobody could believe they actually pulled this off. Yeah. When Judas Maccabeus comes back from the final battle, yeah. having freed Jerusalem, guess how he's greeted when he comes into Jerusalem?
0: Hosanna and the highest.
1: Hosanna to the son of David. They're waving palm branches. They're having this big festival procession. Do you know where the first, pers- first place Judas Maccabeus goes? Uh, fir- where's the first place Judas Maccabeus goes? I don't know. Guess. Uh, To the temple. To the temple. What does he do there? Guess.
0: Overturn some tables.
1: No, you're close. He
0: He stops the people from doing sales there. that
1: wasn't happening, presumably. Oh, okay. But he does cleanse it. He cleanses the temple. From what? Remember, Antiochus... Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, from all of the pa- the
1: symbols yeah, from all the pagan so Greek symbols, from the pictures of Antiochus Epiphanes that he put in the holy of holies of himself and all the things that they used to desecrate, he cleans it out, he tears down the altars, he cleanses the temple of Israel's enemies. Wow. So what's Jesus doing? He's acting at, Here here's one little insight. We've I think we've talked about this. You can learn a lot about a culture based on what they name their kids. Yes. So what are all the people in Jesus' time named? Judas. Judas, Simon, Mattathias, Matthew, um, others. (laughs) I can't think of the other names. But I mean, Joseph. Yeah. They're all named after the Maccabee brothers. There's lots of Judases. There's lots of Simon's. There's lots of Matthew's. So every parent is thinking, we're waiting for the next Judas Maccabeus, the next group of these people who's going to do for the Romans what he did to the Greeks. So here comes Jesus riding on the donkey. Everyone's doing what they did when Judas came. And where's the first place Jesus goes? To the temple. To the temple. To do what? Cleanse it. To cleanse it. But who does he cleanse it of? Uh,
0: The the, uh, the, uh, 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 money changers.
1: That's a part of it. Yeah. But he stays there all week and he cleanses it of all sorts of people. Of the pharisees of the scribes of the religious leaders he's basically what's he doing what does everyone expect him to do to get rid of all the vestiges of romanism of rome and of the imperial power he doesn't do any of that he goes and he says no 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 our own leaders are the problem it's us that need to be cleansed because we're making god's house in a house of a house of th- a thieves of den of robbers we are desecrating it he accuses his own people so I mean if you picture the scene, everyone's expecting Jesus to follow this script to go into the temple to clean it out of all the enemies of God's people. He goes in and he cleans it out of his own people, who says, We have become God's enemies.
0: Whoa, dude, that's so intense, like to to me like to actually compare those two.
1: Yeah. And you can start to get the idea where the very same people that were shouting Hosanna are shouting Crucify him a couple of days later. Whoa. they're not fickle they understand exactly what he's saying and what he's doing yeah well they, they get it and they don't like the,
0: exactly. the process like but they get it man I'm I'm I always am saying this but it's like 3d photography <sighs> stereoscopic photography is like one of my favorite things in the world because it gives you the ability to like see depth and it's mm-hmm. like as soon as I, like I had, I had never put Maccabee The Judas Maccabeus and and Jesus in this procession. I mean, I never looked because because in some ways I've always been looking at this at the first reading that Mm -hmm. that we have here, Mm -hmm. the the Isaiah fifty. Right, and so I'm missing this whole other section because there's so many layers. There's so many layers, and then but then all of a sudden it just comes into relief. Like, what is Jesus doing? Like, he's actually like he's actually really willing to purify at the heart of things. Absolutely. In the most difficult, messy way, like with so much hope, like, and love, like, I don't, man, that's cool. I'm like, I'm sitting here like, that's going to be really cool to celebrate this.
1: And it's, I mean, this is, people have used this to create anti-Semitism. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying, the Jews are the problem. He's saying, we, the people of God, have fallen into this. Yes. And he's challenging them to turn around. As we're still being that. That's why you know, when, in the rubrics of the Mass, one of the things you can never leave out of the Mass is the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. So we don't become the den of robbers that the people of God are always prone to becoming. Yes. So this is a message to us. And that then, like you said, takes us to the first reading where this whole schema has already been predicted. This is one of Isaiah's um, passages about what's called the suffering servant. And I love this passage because I I think I mentioned to you this Isaiah 50 passage, I think is kind of the hinge on which the whole thing turns. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we were, we were talking a little bit about that, about that a little bit earlier. So how do, how do you mean?
1: Well, let's read it. I'm going to see if this works or not. So again, this is what's called one of the the suffer the passages about the suffering servant. So, People have this problem in the Old Testament. There's all these prophecies about what the Messiah is going to be like. Some of the passages, and even within Isaiah, let's just take Isaiah alone. There's passages that say he's going to come like a mighty warrior. He's going to defeat all of his enemies. He's going to have a strong arm. He's going to come with power and might. And others that say he's going to come like, you know, a servant. He's going to be beat up. He's going to be meek <laughs> and humble upon, writing weak and humble, all these things. And you're like, well, which one is it? Yeah. And the answer, of course, is, yeah, you know, it's all of them. So in this particular one, it says this, it says the Lord has given me, this is the servant speaking. The Lord has given, the Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I may know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. What's he doing? What she is doing on Palm Sunday. He's, he doesn't say much, but he is speaking a word that is rousing the people. He is, he is acting as prophet and they're roused and they're coming up and they're like, yes, we recognize we want freedom. We need to be set free of our captors. And they're like, yeah, this is it. So he's doing it. So he's fulfilling, in a certain sense, this part of Isaiah. Morning after morning, my heart, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled. I have not turned back. I've been faithful, in other words, to what he called me to do. And Isaiah doesn't warn you, but all of a sudden, the whole tone of that passage shifts diametrically. So I've roused the weary. I've got the strong, powerful voice. But all of a sudden, I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I didn't shield from buffets and spitting. So what we get in this first reading, I think, is the whole schema of the Palm Sunday readings. He comes in with this mighty word which rouses people. And out of nowhere, by the end of the liturgy, by the end of the hour, he's going to be being spat at and his beard plucked and turning his back to those who are beating him. Same servant. Same
0: servant. Well, I, I may, my mind immediately goes to the Ignatian rules of discernment, mm. which is um, you, you always pay attention to how you first react to something. So... Um, hmm. I can uh, react with initial excitement with something and not have it actually be of the Lord's will. I have to actually right. maintain and hang with it because I don't think that the word is actually separate. That's uh, hmm. th- that I know how I have a well-trained tongue that I would speak to the weary word that will rouse them. When, um, at first you see Jesus going and cleansing the temple. And if you if your mindset remains worldly, then you're like, uh, or like you ride ride on the donkey and you're like going like oh man
1: yes yeah this is it
0: he's taking it um, but but if you pay attention and you allow yourself to remain with it it's still just as exciting yeah and in fact actually the word that he's speaking still is just as exciting if you allow yourself to hang out with it and yeah. to to understand that his work is going to be the fullness of what has always been anticipated. Totally. It's just that it's, ha- it's hard to to adjust your vision exactly. to see beyond the, this kind of immediate, um, like, oh, we're going to have military vindiction, you know, like mm. uh, vindictiveness. It's vindication. Vindication. <laughs> hey, thank you. I, I, speak, I, I speak English. I do good. Do they speak English in what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you say what one more time? I don't know. Oh, that's don't a, know that that's okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's okay. Those who know, those <laughs> who have ears, let them hear. <laughs> let them hear. <laughs>
1: but why is all this possible? How can that actually be? Well, that's what the, the Isaiah also answers. Because the Lord God is my help. Therefore, I'm not disgraced. I've set my face like Flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame.
0: What does it mean to set your face like Flint? I mean, like I know Flint and Steel and like Steel gets hit with Flint and it makes sparks. But I don't really know the expression beyond that. Well, so, I know. so when somebody says, says they set their face like Flint, I'm like, yes, okay, if Flint um, can turn into like an arrowhead and it can also tur- turn into an ability to make um, sparks, so that's good. If I set my face like Flint, then if you come across me, I'm going to set the world on fire. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I end up at. Yeah. But I don't know if that's actually accurate with what it means to set your face like Flint.
1: I don't know about the Flint. Because the term set to set one's face, he yes. set his face. That happens a lot in the scriptures. So it happens yes. in Jeremiah. It happens in the Gospels. It means to do something that you know is going to be very difficult. I I I believe this might be the only place where the word flint is added to it. because oh. it's also referenced back in you know Jeremiah, I think seven or something. Jeremiah one or fifteen. He set his face, and then in in Luke, of course, Jesus sets his face to go down to Jerusalem. I don't think any of those say he set his face like Flint, but maybe maybe they do. But to set one's face, it's a biblical oh. idiom.
0: Dude, so wait, so this is kind of like, like <laughs> yo, yo, I'm going to Jerusalem. I've set my face like Flint because I am high, hardcore. I was trying to make That's a it. rap or no, something. that was it. The, you yeah. nailed it. Thank you. You nailed it. It was good. Thank you. I, the Next week I'll be here at 2 o'clock.
1: That's good. That's good. Now, the psalm, of course, reiterates the same idea. Now, the psalm is a tricky one. Okay. Why are you making that face? Because I'm enjoying myself. Oh, good. Okay. I didn't know that face. <laughs> Psalm 22, What's which is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Okay. Where have we heard that? Where do we most often, where have we commonly heard that as Christians? Good Friday. But where? What In what context? Crucifixion. Yeah. It's what Jesus says as he's crucified. And we'll read it today, won't we? It shows up in the, in the gospel. Yes. So, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or why have you abandoned me? Um, this is one of those great theological questions. A lot of people think that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's crying out to God in despair. But do we believe that as Catholics? No.
0: Nope. No, we don't. Why not? Because we read the whole context. We read
1: a word in the midst of a sentence, a sentence, words, paragraph, paragraph, paragraph in the midst of a book, a book, in the midst of a bunch of books. Actually, there's a ra- there's a rabbinic practice. You know about this, right? There's a practice of the rabbis. This this happened all the time, where rabbis would often in order to teach, they would say the first couple words or line of a particular passage or psalm and expect the crowd or their students to to read the rest. So, well, I did, I already did that today. We movie quote that stuff all the that's time. That's true. We, oh, we do do that. Th- that's yeah, ex- we do this all the time.
0: I have Father, Kev, Father Kevin Augustine and I, I mean, like... You're right. I'll be like, mm, no, that's, that's, a, that's a tasty burger. Can I have a sip of that drink to wash down that tasty burger? I don't know <laughs> That's okay. I it's the same. It's the same quote that I that I gave earlier. Or like uh, I don't know. Every time Pulp you fiction. hear a bell, Pulp Fiction. An angel gets his wings.
1: No, it's not. A wonderful. It's a wonderful life.
0: No, I mean the two are different. I'm just demonstrating to you. Your point
1: is well taken. <laughs> Thank you. Your point is well taken. So what that means though, I'm this, just this, illustrating
0: this is, for you. So I'm working for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Benedict Groeschel Father Benedict Groeschel Yeah He has this story He would always When he was in the Bronx He would have this, play this little game With these Baptist women That lived in his neighborhood mm-hmm. And they would always see him Coming by and be like Oh Father how you doing And he would He would play this game Because they knew their scriptures Really well And he would just Throw out a word And he would be like Knock And they'd be like, and the door shall be opened unto you. And they played this game and they loved it, but it was, it's a rabbinic technique. So what's Jesus doing? He's not crying out in despair. He's actually teaching as a rabbi, which is actually really beautiful because he's in the last moments of his life. He's still teaching. And so he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? If you read the whole psalm, and and what we get uh, this week are, are all really all the negative parts, that all who see me scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips. Their heads, they wag their heads. The dogs have surrounded me. They divide my garments. They cast lots. All of these things that are actually taking place. But if you finish the psalm, if you actually read it, yeah. there are a number of yets or buts in there. And it says in about verse 19, it says, but, so they're casting lots for my garments. they're there's, They're counting all my bones. They're piercing my hands and feet. But... Thou, O Lord, you're not far off. So thou, my help, hasten to my, deliver my soul, uh, deliver me from the sword, uh, my life from the power of the dog. I will go on to tell your name to my brethren. It goes on to talk about the vindication that's going to happen for this person who's being persecuted, who is suffering. So in Jesus hanging on the cross, he's actually teaching, for those who have ears to hear it, he's teaching, if you listen to me, what's going to happen is actually for the vindication of God's plan of his work. That's what he's doing. He's not crying out in despair. And there's been theological debates about this, whether Jesus is actually literally separated from the Father. He can't be separated from the Father because he and the Father are one. That doesn't make any theological sense. But some of our Protestant friends have this debate with us.
0: Yeah, so. that's it's just beautiful. I was just hanging out in the contemplation of that. Just like <sighs> what generosity and love. I mean, yeah. the, we we Seriously. see the cross. The cross is the supreme act of love of mm. Jesus Christ, and like. Um so, sometimes it's easy to just kind of go into like the guilt mode and be like totally. Jesus died cuz you suck.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't know if yeah, that, does that, no, does that, does that work? Does that work on the podcast? Yeah,
1: I think it works. Okay.
0: But I mean, no, like, it's true, though. V- versus, versus, like, no, he de- desires that yes. no matter what place we could ever find ourselves in, yes. feeling it with the feelings of, like, they have torn me apart and they've destroyed me. Yeah. But yet, I will still praise God and I will still proclaim your name that he will be with us at our side walking in the midst of the most terrible things. Now is, is the cross a result of our sin? Yeah, it totally is. And you should feel guilty because you're bad. Um, but like, I'm just kidding. See how that's a joke. I'm terrible. I mean, like, like I need the redemption of Jesus and his cross, but I also need his companionship in my suffering. Let's be honest. Right. And so that's really just beautiful to have him teach. That's why I was like, man, I'm just so moved by his totally he's good. Totally. And, He's like, why call me good? Only my Heavenly Father's good. And I'm like, but you and Hammer one, dude. So, like, why you got it from me?
1: Totally. Well, I know that you were kind of flipping out over that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, I saw that. Takes us to the second reading. Yeah, <laughs> dude.
0: I'll flip you. For, flip you for real. I'll flip A i
1: I won't. Well, never mind. I was about to give away Name a the secret about the Thomas Center.
0: Name the movie. From
1: what? I'll flip you.
0: Flip you for real. I don't know. Dude, unusual suspects or usual suspects? Oh, really? Yeah, oh,
1: I yeah. I haven't gotten any today. that You've thrown at me,
0: dude. And and I've been just proving your point, one thing after another. I'm just getting rabbinical. <laughs> You're on a good you, dude.
1: teacher. I'm a bad student.
0: Hey, that's that's right.
1: Okay, so Philippians. This is what we call the canotic hymn. Kenosis
0: means self-emptying. It's true. So, and a hymn is a song. So it's a <laughs> self-emptying song.
1: It's true. So this is this is a. One of the most beautiful passages from, from the Pauline canon from the book of Philippians. Um, that's the canon sounding. That's, that's the Pauline canon that. right
0: there. That was for the kids.
1: Now, just a word about this, because this is uh, one of those passages that always kind of Philips people out. Um, <laughs> oh. Christ. He says, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Was <laughs> that a horse A horse <laughs> name? Pfft. <laughs> <laughs> what was that why did you do
0: that <laughs> I don't know I just was feeling it I'm just like I'm just feeling it today good, man. man that's all that, I just do it with noises You if, don't you feel received like I you're do. having a conversation oh totally yeah
1: so he was in the form of God though he was in the form of God, he didn't regard equality with God as something to be grasped that's confusing if you take that
0: yeah it is confusing
1: isn't it because is Jesus in the form of God or not well is Jesus God yes yes so is does Jesus have equality with God? Yes. But this says he doesn't count equality with God as something to be grasped.
0: Yes, but he's but this is the thing is that this the hymn is talking about um Adam and Eve.
1: Oh, that's true.
0: Who reached out and grasped and knowledge of good and evil because you certainly would be
1: like God. That's why I don't like this translation, quite frankly. And not to or any of the English translations, because the proper translation is When I hear grasped, I think comprehended. He didn't count it as to be, I I can't grasp what you mean by that. That's not what it says. It's literally to be grabbed at or grasped at, like you said. So it is evocative of Adam and Eve. So exploited, I think, is actually the best translation.
0: Mm. He is.
1: And it's different than Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve did not actually have access to that knowledge of good and evil, of the Yadad. They didn't have access to that fruit. Jesus actually does. But he doesn't count that access mm. and that that knowledge and that identity as something to be grasped exploited. at or exploited or beaten somebody over the head with. Because quite frankly, when Jesus was spat on and crucified and beaten, mm. he could have easily just, you know, flicked his, his fingers, snapped his fingers and have bolts of lightning burn every single person who was beating him, which is probably what I would have done if I was God. Yeah, it's just a good reason. Like, I was
0: not. God. I was a bad. I was in a bad mood at our staff meeting today, <laughs> and I think people
1: thought I was going to call gonna down lightning from lightning. heaven. Yeah, <laughs> because he could have though, but you couldn't have. That's the difference, though. Jesus actually could do that. <laughs> are you? What are you trying to say about me, man? You're not God.
0: I uh, hey, and thanks be.
1: Thanks be to God that you're not God. Amen. But he could have. Yet he doesn't exploit that. That yeah. th- that's what it, that's what it's saying. He is God. He has equality with God, but he doesn't. Well he doesn't just misuse it. He doesn't actually call upon that. Rather he emptied himself. He, took, he he abandoned all of it. He emptied himself, took the form of a slave coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I always think of this, this passage as a big pendulum. So you have Jesus up here. He is equal to God. He's at the top of the pendulum. Yeah. The pendulum swings down and at the very lowest point of the pendulum. So he's emptying himself. He's being formed in the form of a slave, form of a human, and then he's crucified. Now, the Philippians who are, who are receiving this letter, do you know anything about the city of Philippi? Have we talked about Philippi before?
0: Um, uh, no, no.
1: It was the home of a, a lot of retired Roman military vets. Oh. So basically it was like a nice Florida for the Roman military. They all had their little Cadillacs and RVs. and they could, Is
0: this a Caesarea Philippi or is Philippi different? Philippi is different. Okay, it's got on, it. It's
1: on the Mediterranean. Got it. So it was a place where a lot of, yeah, good big name retired Roman military folks went to retire. It was sort of where they could reap the benefits that the Roman Empire gave them for being a faithful citizen, a faithful warrior. So they they were free of certain taxes. They had this nice coastal living. So what am I saying? You can imagine a lot of very patriotic people live in Philippi, right? Yeah. And so Jesus or I mean Paul uses this whole letter to talk about our true citizenship, which would have really stuck it to the Philippians. Who were one of the most important things was the citizenship to the Roman Empire, which most of them sacrificed their life for and are now reaping the benefits of but he said, Jesus, on the other hand, abandoned himself. He, he emptied himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, what was crucifixion? Do you remember? Who who got crucified in the ancient world?
0: Bad people. Wrong.
1: There were lots of bad Politi- people that were Political enemies. What kind specifically? Um, Guilty uh, of... Traitors. Traitors to the empire. Treason. So if you were just a bad person or a thief or a prostitute, you get stoned or thrown off a cliff or something. There's lots of other ways to kill somebody crucifixion was reserved exclusively for traitors to the empire. Now, you want to tell somebody who sacrificed their life for the empire that's now living in retirement with a bunch of other really tough, big, strong, patriotic Roman military folks that I'm asking you to worship a guy who suffered the most humiliating, ugly, anti-patriotic thing that you can imagine. That's who you're called to worship. So, I mean, this pendulum, it can't get any lower than that for the citizens of Philippi. Wow. So that's, how, that's what he's really getting at here. But he says, but there's a but. There's a turn of the pendulum. Because of this, God has greatly exalted him. So you see the pendulum swinging back up the other side. But the, the key is that it says because of this. It's not just, oh, he humbled himself, he became an empty, and then he, then he was exalted later on. It's only because of the self-emptying that he received the exaltation, right? Mm, yes. And he bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, that the name of Jesus. Every knee should bend, including whose knees? The uh, patriotic folks. Who do they worship? Caesar. Caesar. Every Above every name, including Caesar, that every knee, including Caesar's, will bend. And every tongue proclaim, including Caesar's, because he is lower than this Jesus who was crucified into the most humiliating thing the Rome could imagine. Wow. Every one of them. But it's because of that. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The words Christ... And Lord were both titles that were reserved exclusively for Caesar himself. He was the Kyrios, the Christ. uh, The the Kyrios is Lord. He was the Lord. He was the Christos, which means the king or the anointed. It was illegal to call anyone terms other than that, other than Caesar in his time. So you can imagine if you're a citizen of Philippi, you might not want to read this letter out loud. (laughs) Because that actually could land you on the cross. Wow. So it's a pretty big deal. And this is what's setting us up for what's going to happen on Good Friday in the readings. Yeah. Which is a pretty neat setup, I think. Yes,
0: it is. Which means that we are now in a passion. We're We're in the, into the, into this, uh, the passion narrative from Matthew, which is who Yeah. We can't cover the whole thing. I mean, we could talk (laughs) about some trends and because there's so many details and like, um, one of the things that I think is really beautiful, like there's a line in the mass and it says, um, um, we thank you for letting us stand and minister to you. Yeah. There's a certain sense in which I I believe that as we engage and as we meditate and as we make ourselves present to the to the crucifixion itself, I believe that like we're ministering to the Lord that like everybody who has ever spent time um, loving Jesus as he's going, walking, praying the stations of the cross, Mm. that they are in some ways mystically present to Jesus as he's going. Like so you can imagine a billion people. Um, at the same time, Mm -hmm. worshiping you and loving you and understanding what you're doing, even though all of the, the, the reality of what's taking place is still just as stark. Like, I don't know. I just think about this. And so like, as, as we engage in this, like we make, we make ourselves present to the truth of this, into the reality of this horror. Yeah. And, um, and then, and yet the, just like when he's on the cross and he's trying to teach through the Psalm, he's trying to teach us as he's walking this way. Yes and 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 everything he he lays his life down freely. Yes. And that's and it's it's just
1: it's just so intense to witness. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. I kind of don't know what to do with this passage. I what what my intention was was really cuz we can't read this whole thing. No way. Um but I think the other readings if we understand what the other readings are really getting at. Yeah. Then it's going to bring the gospel reading, which is very long, and it's probably going to be. It, this is the one that we read in the three different parts, right? There's usually three different voices that are speaking this. Yep. Um, it changes everything for the crowd. Also. Oh, the crowd also
0: says says crucify him a couple times. Yeah, but then they say a couple nice things too. I think not many. Not many. It's always that's always been tough, but that's it's good. It's good to remember.
1: Yeah. What do you think? What should we do with this gospel? Um. Oh. <sighs> I mean,
0: one of the things it's like, as I look at this, I'm, I'm constantly, again, thinking of the 3d image, you, the gospel is something that you enter into, like, there's a lot of intellectual things to understand as we're going through, Yes, um, because it, it is the, it is a com, uh, complete act in and of itself in relationship to what was trying to be done. You, cause you have, I mean, you have, um, you have the the uh, garden of gethsemane you have all of the passion you have the betrayal of peter you have all of these you you just have everything here and um, i don't i don't i have no idea it's such a big chunk to bite off that i'm having a hard time even it's, it's saying other than um, as we look at jesus like this is a kingly act like it's it is the kenosis lived out what is what does it actually mean to look like um S- somebody who is is willing to be entirely misunderstood to accomplish salvation. Yes. What is the vindication of God? The vindication of God is not um I'm going to make revenge on you and smote you. Yes. No, it's I'm going to actually endure this. Yes. There's this something almost it's it's like as as you grow up, and you kind of start to realize, like, how terrible you were to your parents. Yes. Like you, you like there's it, in and of itself that's its own vindication. Yes. That th- th- they were patient and loving, even though you were totally <laughs> horrible to them. Yeah. And so, w- so with Jesus, it's like it's like the vindication is his mercy itself. Yes. Um. And and like and this is what it looks like to have love lived out.
1: Yes. And. It is, I mean, again, we're, it's a little we talked about how it's kind of confusing. If you read through all the Old Testament prophecies about all the different things that Jesus is going to do, it's kind of confusing because is he a mighty warrior or is he the humble suffering servant? Well, yes, he's both. But note as you as you read through this this weekend, and as you listen to this read, there's never a moment in this that even even in the text, even in the writing, there's never a moment that Jesus is not completely in control. And you even get the sense, even as he's on trial, even as he's being led around, even as every one of these things is happening, it's Jesus that is in control. He's calling the shots. He's deciding what he's going to say and not say. He's the one that is turning the words back onto onto Pontius Pilate, right, into Caiaphas. He's always in control. He's got this cool, calm confidence in everything he says. Again, the disciples have been wondering, when are you going to act like a king? Well, Isaiah said that this particular king is gonna speak these eloquent words with this well trained tongue. But notice what that what that actually is saying. The Lord has given me a well trained tongue that I may know how to speak to the weary. A well trained tongue is not just saying a bunch of really good things. A well trained tongue sometimes is saying very, very little, which is what Jesus does. He doesn't do it out of out of sheer meekness or being trampled on, he does it out of control. He is in charge. He is chosen. This is the fundamental area where we disagree with so many of our Protestant friends, that when Jesus goes to the cross— what we're not dealing with is an angry Father God who demands blood and recompense because we have sinned. So he looks around and he says, "Well, who am I, who's going to pay for this? Whose blood is going to be shed? I'll take my son. And I'll send him to the cross." Yeah, that's not what we believe. That's that's purely legalistic way of looking at, at salvation. What we believe is that Jesus freely steps forward and say, "It's most appropriate and it's most loving that I show my beloved." I want to step in your place. I want to walk before you, and I am confidently taking this cross upon my shoulders so that you don't have to. Well, so that you are able to. Not so yes. that we don't have to, so that you are able to actually follow me, take up your cross and come after me with precisely what I'm doing. And
0: and and invites us into the pattern and the process of love. Exactly. Of of exactly. actually being willing like our parents were to put up with Things that are that that don't make sense, but also to act. I mean, like this is the thing: is it's not just putting up. I mean, like Jesus physically acts with intentionality. It's not like he's he's not a victim here. Yeah, he is priest and victim, but it's only through his own choosing. He lays it down freely, and that's like it's so it's so filled with double rich realities yep. that stay both and in super intention in a, in a way that um um we are called to live and yeah. to be inspired
1: yeah and one last thing on that note because this is this is what we're being called to and then we could we should probably wrap it up because our time is Running thin. But at the tail end of our reading from this week, we get, again, the words of that psalm. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and he cries out in a loud voice around the third hour, Eloi, Eloi, laba samakitani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So some of the bystanders heard it and said, well, he's calling out for Elijah. He's not calling out for Elijah, which is (laughs) Ironic. Yeah. They, they, they ran, got him a spudge. They soaked it, put him up in a reed, and he drank. But the rest said, let's wait and see if, Eli- if Elijah will come to save him. Save him. Jesus cried out in a loud, loud voice, and he came up with spirit. At that moment in the text or in the reading where it's saying everybody's standing around waiting to see what's going to happen, while everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath, what do we do? In the we, we kneel down. We kneel down. Why do we kneel down when the rest of the world is waiting and watching to see what's going to happen? Well, we kneel down because we know the rest of that psalm. And we know that the reality of what he's praying is God has already vindicated him. It's a done deal. And out of reverence for that and out of pure awe and wonder mm. that God, as mm. Jesus is hanging on the cross, is actively parading that death has no more power. Paul talks about this in his letters. What's actually being paraded on the cross? Death itself. Death is being mocked on the cross. It's not Jesus Christ purely who is being crucified. He is being crucified. But death itself is being crucified. It's being hung up. We know the end of the story. We stand in awe of that and we're brought to our knees. Not just because we're simply in mourning over the death of our beloved. We are that. But because we can't believe how profound that is. And as that happens, in the text it says, "...behold, then the veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked, the tombs were split." Uh, Tombs are open, bodies are popping up out of the ground, all all heck is breaking loose. Which is just
0: all heck is breaking loose, literally.
1: Literally. But we're realizing the whole cosmos has changed at that moment. The moment that Jesus breathes that breath, that death is mocked on the cross, the whole cosmos is shaken. The earth shakes, the temple veil is is shattered, which means that we now have access to, not just to God himself, which we do, and which we'll actually receive a few minutes after this at the Mass, but we have access to this new creation, which is shaking its way into our cosmos as this has happened. We have access to everything now because Christ has represented it to us on the cross.
0: Which brings us all the way back around to that first gospel reading mm. where when Jesus came in and they were trying to understand, everybody in the town was shaken. Yeah. Because they were like, here comes war. Yeah. Yeah. And Ooh. and what's happened is that it was war. Here comes war and because they but they thought it was going to be a war against uh, the roman army well they thought
1: it was going to be a war against their enemies yeah instead it was a war against their enemy and
0: and 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 the victor Mm. um it was a it's the tremendous victory and then then kind of like genesis i always think of genesis because we have the seven days of creation and then we got some zoom in right after that yeah I always think that Holy Week's a little bit like that. We have the we have the full spectrum of what's coming. Mm. Um and then we then we zoom in. Yeah. And then we say, "Okay, hold on, let's actually spend time with each of these parts." Mm. So, uh for you guys, I pray that as your Holy Week uh, progresses that you're able to really spend time, you know, skip work, um get out of school, uh, but if you're praying, not not just right. so that you can like go ride your motorcycle, which <laughs> <laughs> though, though fun unless you're going to church unless you're going to church uh, that would then then we're good that's okay but, but yeah no, spend some time and, and contemplate these mysteries use your vivid imagination think about the smells the tastes the touches mm. uh, think about who you are in these scenes meditate upon them G- grind them in your heart and your mm. mind until you get the flower which will become the bread of life um, yeah um, surrendered at the altar of the Lord
1: F-L-O-U-R flower flower not F L O W E R.
0: No, that would be that would be weird. I had a dream That's the other night that somebody was eating flowers. <laughs> it's a really weird dream. Right?
1: Well, on that note, on that note, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week. Have a blessed, uh, holy week.
0: Well, we'll be talking about holy week too, won't we?
1: Will we? Yeah, yeah. We'll see you then. Yeah, we'll see you in holy week. Yeah. See you in holy week. Keep it real. Don't fake the folk. No, you would never. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.